You're tuning in to Flawed and Fabulous. I'm Ash, and I like to think we're all flawed, but we're also fucking fabulous. Welcome to part two. Please welcome special guests Sophie Bell, Jessica Feeney, and Kira Love. Oh, welcome, girls. How are we feeling? Good. Very good. I'm a little nervous. Who was talking about this? <laughs> Miss Kira? I'm feeling great, thank you. Yeah, thank you. Okay, so we are going to get started with Sophie Bell, who was a guest on Season 4, Episode May 21, live a life you love, choosing happiness after heartache. In this episode, Sophie visits the moments from her past that have shaped her and her family into the fun-loving, adventure-seeking fam-bam that they are. You recently had a trip to Tasmania and it looked fucking epic, um, but you also took your kids, which sometimes for me doesn't look so epic, um, but you had a great time, and you made a comment saying that you and Belle had made a promise slash commitment to each other, that you were going to try and do all the things that you did pre-kids, that includes travel. So how is traveling with the Bells? What does that look like for you guys? Yeah, well, I guess before we had children, travel to us was really important and a really big part of our marriage um, and something that made us really, really happy. So we really made that commitment that even once we had little children, and it's very challenging travelling with kids, I'm not going to lie, but we still want to do that and that brings us great joy and it brings them great joy. And yes, there's parts that are a nightmare like... Pep's just lost her mind on the flight home and we really wanted to give her away at some point for that <laughs> flight. Normally she's a dream, but that flight was a lot. But those few hours of hell is nothing compared to the awesome time that you have throughout that trip. So, yeah, I just feel like sometimes when you become parents, you start to lose yourselves a little bit. And for Belle and I, it's really important to keep the things that make us happy and the things that we think will help our children be better people and hopefully widen their eyes and see the great things that we love in life as well. So, yeah, I think to any new parents, it's really scary when you start to travel with kids. Um, and obviously COVID has made that a little bit trickier. And I think, you know, with Hendrix, it was much easier. We're travelling with him quite regularly and we've noticed Pepsi didn't travel as much. So I think that's why she was a bit trickier on the flights. But, yeah, my biggest advice is to definitely continue to travel with your kids, continue to go to dinners, do all the things you loved before. And, yes, yeah, sometimes it's really shit. But then a lot of the time it's also really great. So and stick I don't, it out. I don't see it on your social media, but I'm really hoping you take iPads with you. Yes. Yes, okay, good. Because uh, I'm yes. like, where is the technology with yeah. this travel? With Hendrix, I was like, no screens, I'm not <laughs> going to have any screens. And until, like, he was... I think we went to Europe for six weeks and by the end of that trip I was like, here's an iPad, here's everything. Here's you my could, phone. Yeah, you can have it phone. all. We were really strict at the start and then we were just like, whatever. And now with Peps, it's definitely, yeah. You can't get through those flights, like 20-something hours to Europe. With no iPad. I can't get through those flights. Yeah, it's <laughs> a lot. So, no, definitely do whatever you need to do to get through it and go to dinners, but take the iPad or whatever it is that you need to get through. But it just enriches all of your lives. Like, it's not just for us, it's for the kids as well. And I think it's, yeah, really important. And even though we are technically the land down under, Tassie is like the land down down under. So, um, a lot of people may not have travelled there. What are your hot Tassie tips? Oh, I highly... It's our first time there and it honestly feels like Europe. Like, all the architecture, mm. the buildings are so beautiful. We love seafood and the food there was out of this world. The champagne, like, there's just... Sounds so much terrible. Yeah, horrendous. <laughs> um, so, yeah, we, we thought it was going to be much smaller than it was. There's so much to see and we were there for 10 days and could have stayed for much longer. So, highly recommend and get a hire car, book some beautiful homes on the water and just explore it all. 
Sounds amazing. Tassie tourism ad? I don't know. <laughs> Hook her up. <laughs> um, when you were last on the podcast, you um, drew an angel card. And FYI, I'm very aware that I didn't do an angel card at the start of this podcast tonight. I just felt like it was impossible to pull an angel card for the room that wasn't possibly either a message that was for me and then would be a little bit distracting for the guests also to, to have to say what resonates with them. So I did choose to bypass that tonight just based on a, an energy feel. Um, but when you were on the podcast, you pulled um, a, a cleanse and detoxify card and you had mentioned that um, it resonated with you because you were choosing for more health and without your health, you don't have anything. So how has that been going with you? Because every time I say I'm going to be healthy, I ain't fucking healthy. <laughs> I do the opposite. Like, I just back it up and I'm like, oh, carbs, chocolate, alcohol. <laughs> this is health. This is health. Sorry, my PT is here and he's like, I'm going to get you for saying that. <laughs> yeah, I guess there's... I guess two parts to how I wanted to be healthy and I guess that's been mentally my mental health as well as uh, my physical health but for me I uh, have a business and staff and it's a, a lot and I've always worked huge hours like 12 hour days at a minimum and my husband worked away a lot and recently he's uh, now not working and moved home full time which is a big life change for us and I really wanted to focus this year on having some time for myself where I was just working or being with my kids like it was just non-stop crazy and yeah my mental health and everything I just now have Fridays to myself I'm really making a solid effort to give myself that downtime and now I'm seeing the results in my work everything is so much better um, I'm a better mum you know I just felt like I was half-assing everything and now I feel like when I'm in work mode I'm just so much clearer when I'm in mum mode, I'm just being such a better mum and being a better wife, all those things that are so important to me. Um, but yeah, also physical health with um, Belle and I are doing Pilates every morning. Cute. And like, I know, it's kind of, <laughs> it's so good. We're kind of supporting each other and making sure that um, that is, yeah, a priority and it's making big kind of waves into all parts of our life, um, focusing on those parts. So yeah, it's really good. And I'm sure Mon can agree that our mental health is equally as important as our physical health. Yeah, absolutely. Sorry, that wasn't like a planted question. I was like... Is that a yes or no? Do you want me to it's like an elaborate. It'd be a bit controversial if I said no. Yes, right? I know. It was an opening for you to But it talk sounds like it. they're really beautiful rituals. I think when you connect with somebody else and particularly like it just... There's so many like beautiful things that are happening through that, like connection with your husband and also through your health, your mental health, moving your body in the morning. Like I love that. Yeah, and it's just our time before the kids wake up sometimes just to be a bit calmer because mm. once it starts, it's all on those kids. It's like drop-off, there's yeah. meetings, it's Zooms, it's like non-stop until we go to bed at night. So mm. I think that moment for us just kind of starts today a little bit nicer than what it used to be and it's just our time just to, yeah, focus on ourselves, which is good. That's one thing about you, Sophie, like you wear so many hats. Like, <laughs> you are multi-rolled, so you've got the roles within your family, you have different streams within your business. I talk to a lot of women in, in my practice about purpose, it comes up a lot, and I'd love to hear your thoughts on that. Like, what is purpose to you, and how do you actualise that each and every day? Yeah, I think um, I have a very clear, I guess, vision for what I want my life to look like and what that looks like for my family. And that is why I started my business. I had a really clear vision of purpose mm. and I didn't want to be working in a corporate role where my life was controlled by somebody else. So that's why I started my business. And I really want to be a good mum. I want to be a good wife. I want to be 
a really happy person and to me I could control that more if I had my own business and that's where my studio, my staff are here tonight and we work from my home so that I can switch from mum mode to work mode instantly. I'm not travelling to an office. I don't go to meetings. I do everything via Zoom so that I can not waste that time. Um, and I'm really, I guess, um, diligent on when I'm switching between the two. So for me, my purpose is to, yes, be have a business and be fulfilled in work but also be fulfilled as a mother um, and that balance to me is really important and I'm really, I guess, aware of that balance. Mm. So intentional. Yes. Yeah. Hopefully. It's not always <laughs> perfect, of course, yeah. but it's definitely planned. I guess yes. it wasn't just by accident and everything Absolutely. was thought and planned for you. Yeah, beautiful. And as a Libra, balance is <laughs> pretty important. Balance is crucial. <laughs> yeah. um, so when I first reached out to you to come on to the podcast, I actually didn't know the series of events that had played out in um, your tw early 20s. I'm gauging that a lot of your community didn't know that either. Um, after coming on the podcast and sharing about um, yours and Belle's history, how was the reception from your community in regards to not... I don't want to say picture perfect because it's, like, not how I see you, but um, having having it all on Instagram to then also be like, oh, wow, they've been through some shit and they've planned their life out on how they want to live it. So what was the feedback? Yeah, a lot of feedback around, oh, like, I just thought everything's perfect. I didn't realise you'd been through some, you know, really tragic circumstances and, you know, it's nothing compared to what some of the people here tonight have been through. But, yeah, we definitely went through some rough times, um, very tragic losses in our family. And it really shaped Belle and I into who we are. And I think a lot of people just assume that, yeah, everything's great. And that's what Instagram is. You know, it's your highlight reel. I'm not going to put up every day when bad stuff has happened. Um, so for my audience, definitely it was, I guess, eye-opening for a lot of people because I don't talk about it a, a, a lot. And I think maybe that's something I should do a better job of in the future, sharing more of that side of my life because I kind of just steer away from it because it is, you know, sometimes a tricky conversation to have. But, yeah, I think a lot of my audience had no idea that we'd been through some really tough times um, as a family. But, you know, we're so lucky to have our health and to have each other and to have our family as it is. And we literally take no day for granted and nothing in our life for granted. And it's nice to have nice things, but if we don't have our health and we don't have each other, nothing else really matters. And I know that sounds super cliche, but that's literally after what we went through is what's most important to us. Definitely. And I also got um, auto-corrected before, in case anyone doesn't know what GTL is. Um, I'm just so used to talking about it. So um, it's grief, trauma and loss. And that is basically what the whole podcast is about, um, with a little bit of humour and heart mixed into it. It's about opening up the conversation. There is no shame in having a history or a current journey or healing or growing. Um, in fact, it can be quite empowering. And that's why having these um, beautiful conversations and connections with men and women, I do love men too, um, <laughs> it's really important because we all feel and um, we all have different things that we need to heal from. And there is no competition when it comes to GTL. Our story, our journey is ours and what we feel is um, what we feel. So, um, yeah, thank you for sharing that, Soph. I do have the audience question, mm -hmm. um, which is because you do have this 
fabulous travel life and you're prepared to take your kids with you. Um, where do you want to travel <laughs> next? Where, where, what's next on the travel cards? This is an audience question. Ooh, that's a good one. Um, I think Belle and I, we talk about it quite regularly. We would love to live overseas for maybe six months or so. So whether that's Italy or somewhere and just really, and I think that's with the small children as well, we find it's really hectic those first few days when you arrive. So if you move around like every few days on a holiday, it's just too much for the kids. It's yeah. too much for us. They just don't like it. You know, they like their little routines. They like getting settled. So for us, we like to get somewhere and really get in there and get settled in. So for us, going to Italy or somewhere like that for six months, I think is definitely our next goal and being not able to go to those amazing places we love so much in the last 18 months, two years or whatever is awful. So I think as soon as we're able to do it, Bella and I would love to go and live somewhere like that. And with my work, um, I can do a lot of it. As long as I've got good Wi-Fi, I can kind of work anywhere. So, um, yeah, I think that would be the next goal is to literally go somewhere and be living somewhere, not just visiting. We might come with you, um, Eden. Please do. Eden's probably going to laugh. We went to um, Tuscany maybe two years ago. And um, when I was there, I'm like, we are. We are moving here. We are bringing the kids. We're going to pick grapes. And he's like, our kids aren't fucking picking grapes. There is no chance that we're doing this. I'm like, they're coming. We're doing it. But, uh, yeah, you go to these amazing places and you want to give your kids the opportunity to experience it when they're young. But they're just like, iPad. Like, I don't care what's going on around me. But it is good when we can have the opportunity to take them about and travel and do all of that. Because, yeah, I didn't really go anywhere when I was a kid. And now I feel like with what's going on in the world that, like, my kids are like, when are we going to Fiji? When are we doing this? And I'm like, I don't know. So it's nice to have plans into, into the future and things to look forward to. So thank you to Sophie. Big round of applause. Reach for my next card, but you need no <laughs> card to be introduced. Miss Jessica Feeney, welcome. Thanks so much for having me. So Jess was a special guest on Season 4, Episode 3, Luna Capri, A Mother's Inspiring Parental Grief Journey. In this episode, Jess powerfully shows up to give insight into what life now looks like without her beautiful baby girl, Earthside. We talk about the courageous way that Jess is showing up, honouring her daughter Luna and how she is also on a mission to normalise grief, trauma and loss by not sugarcoating the grieving process and sharing the many different ways it affects you and how you can choose to find light in the darkest, in the darkness. Welcome, Jess. Thanks. <laughs> Thanks for having me. So I call you my mama warrior because <laughs> I think you're really fucking amazing. Um, this is a sometimes very tricky question and someone that has experienced um, the GTL myself. How are you right now? Yeah, that's a really, like, unusual question, right? It's mm -hmm. something that we ask everyone, but um, I'm doing the best that I can. So every day is different for us, um, almost every hour. Like this morning, for example, I saw something on social media of a girlfriend of mine. She has a daughter the same age as my Luna, and she was riding a bike for the first time without um, training wheels, and that was really triggering for me. As much as I was so proud for her daughter, I... Um, was crying. I was like, oh my goodness, I, um, I'm never going to have that opportunity to be able to see my precious daughter do the same thing. And Luna was so close to having um, training wheels off. So it's so weird where this morning I was crying with Timmy and saying, wow, like 
we were, you know, we were wishing on those memories and now tonight I feel brave and I feel excited to be here and um, that is really the journey of grief because it does come in waves and some days are easier than others and other days are really debilitating. So every... Um, Tim and I, we work quite closely with our therapist who we dearly love and um, we try just have small small goals where in our old life and I refer that as um, when we had Lou Earthside, we used to make a lot of long-term goals and have lots of dreams and now when I feel like when you've been stripped of something so precious like one of your children and for me I feel like I was... Um, robbed right from underneath me. I, um, I feel like you, I have a whole new lens on life and those long-term goals mean nothing to me now. I look forward to just getting to the end of each day and as long as um, myself, my partner Timmy, my beautiful son Mars and my family are smiling, I, um, I feel like that's a really big achievement. So, Absolutely. yeah, each day is a plus for me. Yeah. yeah. Um, when you were last on the podcast, um, we spoke a lot about the way that you honour Luna. Yep. And um, that was coming up to the Gold Coast Marathon, which unfortunately got cancelled. But you did not let it get cancelled. But wait, there's more. But wait, there's more. <laughs> and not only did it not become the Gold Coast Marathon, it became the Lunathon. Yeah. And um, tell me... Basically, when it comes to Luna, you are fiercely unstoppable. So when the marathon got cancelled, what went through your mind? Well, um, my sister, who's here tonight, she's my sidekick. And she, um, with the Lunathon, and I feel like when you're in the depths of grief, for me, it's um, having purpose. And that's something that we work so hard on. And having something to look forward to to honour Luna and keep her legacy alive and keep her name in so many people's mouths and so many people's homes is so important to us. And um, I had a... To be honest, when the Gold Coast Marathon was cancelled, I was like, hallelujah, I don't have to run 10K, <laughs> right? I am by all means not a marathon runner. Yeah. I had um, very minimal training. And Timmy could run about 100Ks just on adrenaline. Me, not so much. Yeah. So um, for me, it was fine. I was like, perfect. I got out of that quite easy. But I also had a, um, Luna's Army behind me that were, so, were training hard and people were um, really looking forward to it. So my sister said to me, she always has really grand ideas. And she's like, we'll make our own marathon. And I'm like, girl, I don't know if we can do that. You know, it's in three days. And we pulled it off. Um, I have a really um, supportive, like, group of friends and my family is so great. And we pulled off a Lunathon in three days and we had um, probably maybe two or 300 people down at the Oxingford Lake running for Luna. And wow. um, they were all wearing Lunathon shirts and people showed up and it was really, really, really cool for us and surreal in the same breath that people were running. We actually had um, Kate Barnes, who she is like a pro marathon runner. She actually turned up in like an Olympic suit and she... Um, <laughs> Just low-key, low-key for the marathon and Olympic like, suit, try and beat me. Yeah, yeah. Well, she, um, she, she, went, she won, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> Clearly, she had the Olympic suit on. I know. We waited for like four hours for her to do like 40Ks or something wild. But it was really cool because we had friends that... Um, my best friend, Ash, she has a really bad hip and she wasn't going to run the Gold Coast Marathon. And 
that day, she's like, I'm running. Everybody else is running. And so many of my friends just showed up. And even some people that we didn't know, strangers, and people were dropping their children off to run with us for the day. And I thought, how powerful is this? Like, a community has really come together. And um, yeah, it was amazing. We had mums running with prams, and you couldn't do that at the Gold Coast Marathon. So anyone that works for the Gold Coast Marathon... There's no more marathon, it's the lunathon. So <laughs> that's really cool. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. And I guess you kind of answered that question, but what is the best part of having this community that is unwavering and supports you and um, is there for you, Timmy and Mars, through all the highs and the lows? Yeah, well... Um, I obviously have a really good community around me. Even um, myself and Timmy, my partner, have a really strong relationship and we um, are always... We're all, like, I often say in our house, we're in our own love bubble and we're very protective of the energy that we bring in. Um, we're very um, cautious of what we're doing, what could be triggering, what, what might not be triggering and also um, not so much ripping the Band-Aid off but things like... For example, we used to take Luna um, swimming lessons. My sister and my mum now take my son swimming lessons and we haven't been to a theme park since. But we have done other things like take Mars to the beach or take him to other things that um, we think might be triggering. But once we be there, it actually makes us feel better and makes us feel close to Luna. So we feel very grateful every night that we go to bed knowing that on hard days, we have people that back us. We send one message out. I know my family and my girlfriends, they run on an invisible roster. I have one bad thought almost, and my girlfriends are shooting through messages saying, I'm coming over, I'm doing this or I'm doing that. And um, I feel like as a grieving parent, I, um, I know that everybody's grief is their own grief, but I feel like I've been dealt the worst card in the deck. And I feel like when I get through this, which I will, I think that um, Timmy and myself will be unstoppable because any other card that comes to us will never compare. So I feel like having a community is so vital um, to move forward and to keep swimming and um, one day we'll reach, we'll reach the land and we'll feel um, that content feeling again. Yeah. yeah. Can I go a bit deep with you, Jess? Oh, give it to me. Yeah, I, I get one question, so I've got to make it a good one, all right? <laughs> you could have had two. You said I got one question. I had question. to fight for it, right? <laughs> I've been thinking a lot lately about um, this term that is seems to be everywhere on social media yep. and hashtag post-traumatic growth. And look, that's actually a psychology term. It came out of the States in the 90s. A couple of psychologists got together and they did a bunch of research and found that uh, people around this kind of two to four, five year stage of grief tend to move into a stage of making meaning. Yeah. And it's really important that people get to that stage. However, what I'm starting to notice is that there's this social pressure for people to make meaning out of the most unfathomable losses yeah. and I'm curious around your experience of that what the expectation has been like because a lot of people say you know after six weeks the casseroles stop coming yes, you know I love that you've got that community there but and perhaps you know 
in certain areas uh, it's been very different for you. But, yeah, I'd love to hear a little bit more about what that's actually been like. Yeah, that's funny you say that because I've actually been talking um, in the last week or so to my girlfriends in Timmy about expectations. Mm. And what are the expectations on someone that's going through grief? Because this is my first rodeo, right? And a lot of other people don't understand the concept of grief. And... I feel like dropping any bound, like any sort of expectation you have on someone going through grief is so important. Don't, I um, lost my daughter on the 23rd, which is seven months in about two days. So every time around this month is really, really hard. And I think sometimes when I share it, I think, do people think, come on, girl, it's been seven months? You know, mm. but it's like, I could feel this in seven years. I could feel this in 70 years and that's okay. And I feel like, even for me on my social media, I feel like it's so important to share um, the good, the bad and the ugly. Mm. I've cried on social media and a year ago I was like, oh, well, I would never cry on social media. But I'm like, this is real. Feelings, um, your feelings when you go through grief is like a wave and sometimes it's a tsunami and that's okay, and that's normal. Mm. And I feel like sometimes I'll often find myself saying, oh, I sound a little bit crazy. And you always say, you never sound crazy, Jess, that's normal. And I've got a girlfriend who works in social work too, and she's like, Jess, that's normal. And I feel like for all of you that are lucky enough not to be in my position or somebody that has been in a similar situation, be there, show up. Don't have expectations and keep those casseroles coming, right? <laughs> I'm like, we hungry. Yeah, mum's hungry. <laughs> Actually, I would never eat anyone else's food, so don't <laughs> <eat a> casserole. <laughs> well, you're a good cook, so that's good. But I know for us in our household, we still—it's been, you know, almost seven months—and I can confidently say, me and Timmy have not cooked one meal together in our house. Yeah, and that um, comes down to routine, mm -hmm. you know, and. Um, when people come over and drop a dish off, even if it's like doesn't look very good, we eat it because I'm like, <laughs> I, we, we don't want to cook. We're doing everything we can not to do those nor normal things that you do as a family because without people realising, that brings back a reality check for us, right? I'm only cooking for my partner and my son now instead of my gorgeous daughter that should be sitting at that dining room chair. So I feel like when you, when you say to a friend that's going through grief, I'll be there, actually be there and drop the expectation that some days are going to be tough or if they have a brave face like I might, you wouldn't have realised that this morning I was devastated mm. and that, um, that is something that I feel like and even Ash, you will um, know this as well, they say time does heal but it's a different so sort of healing process. I will never get same. over losing my child but I will learn to live without her, unfortunately. So I think that's the difference with having expectations. It's that um, just checking in and mm. knowing that even though however long it's been, your memory still doesn't change, right? And if anything, it fades. So it's so important to talk about her or, you know, if I have a conversation with someone that I know knows my story and they don't mention Luna, I'm like, that was a bit rude. Because I'm like, I want to talk about my baby. I want to keep her alive, right? I don't want people to shy away from it. I want them to say how lovely she was. No, thanks. I want them, I want people, I want Luna's, um, and I think as any parent, you don't want people to just forget about what's, uh, forget about your baby because that's your baby, right? Mm. So I think drop the expectations, be there when you say you are, and... 
even if the person like myself is really bad on your phone, that's because they might be having a bad day and your message will brighten their day. And if they haven't read it, they'll read it later. You know, I know for myself, I really struggle at nighttime. My partner really struggles on the in the mornings. And checking in on us at different times really resonates with us and helps us moving forward. And I feel really... Um, I'm actually... Myself and my sister and my family have created the Luna Capri Foundation. And that is a foundation in Luna's honour that is um, we are creating a grief, loss and trauma framework and a positive empowerment framework for children that we will implement throughout most daycare centres in Australia and primary school settings because that's a space that's not touched on. Mm. I have a um, teacher background and that's something that's so important to us and I feel like that is another thing that will keep Luna's legacy alive and also keep Luna's family alive too, which is really important. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So amazing. Thank you. And just to touch on that quickly, there's a statement that is um, grief lasts a lot longer than sympathy and um, sometimes we just need to all keep that in mind that if you have had an experience with GTL, that will stay with you forever but you do heal into your new world yeah. um, and it does get lighter and brighter but you do carry um, that with you forever and sometimes wearing those scars um, with pride is the best option rather than yeah, trying I to cover that. them up. So audience question um, and we actually got a combined one, it must be the GTL sisters in the house. Yeah. <laughs> um, so Jess and Ash, what has been your most intense real encounter showing you that Horn and Luna are with you? Do you want me to go first you or yourself? First. Okay. Um, I've had a couple of encounters that have been really cool, but one of them that has really stood out for me was my son, um, Mars, who's just turned one. About maybe a month or two ago, he was really ill and he was actually... I had brought him into bed with um, Timmy and myself and he was in the middle of us and I woke up in the middle of the night, which is super random, and... Well, it's not random to wake up for my son, but, I mean, <laughs> it was... I just woke up for no reason and when I looked at Mars, Luna was lying right next to him and when I say Luna, I mean Luna, like, I guess, like her ghost, right? And when Luna was Earthside, she used to... She was so besotted with Mars. And I, I could see her face. I saw her leg over the top of Mars and I saw her sleeping. Her eyes were closed. I could see her whole body. I um, actually, like, got up like this and I was looking at her thinking, my God, like... I've actually lost my marbles, right? I'm like, my my mind's going crazy, but I was wide awake and I looked and I took that moment to really embrace seeing Luna again. And I saw, I, I feel like it was for maybe a minute or so and I really looked at every single feature on her face. Her arm was exactly the same. Her fold, her crease in her arm was there. She was in her pyjamas and she was hugging her brother who was ill. And I started, I got really um, overwhelmed in that moment after and I was trying to wake Timmy up. I'm like, Tim, Tim, Luna's here, Luna's here. And in that moment of trying to wake Timmy up and him like kind of like, well, like what's going on? I, um, Luna had disappeared. So I, could, I found it so hard to go back to sleep but I felt so calm that Luna, like I've always said to Luna every night I go to bed I'm like Luna come to me as Casper the ghost just be like imagine if she was just sitting here right <laughs> and um it was really cool for me to see her that way even though she didn't talk to me 
I know how much she loves her brother and to caress him when he was feeling ill just really um, made me feel so much better. So that was a really cool moment. Yeah, it's incredible. And, um, yeah, well, for me, I'm obviously a lot further in my GTL journey than Jess and her family. And um, when this question popped up, I had to, like, think about a few things. And the first thing was that, realistically, I, we possibly would not be sitting here if Horn was still alive. Um, losing Horn and me going on my own journey of figuring out what the fuck I'm going to do with my life um, and not really having anyone to talk to. There's not too many 31-year-old widows getting out there um, and I felt really lonely and one of the things that, the, that I'm good at is problem solving and I thought to myself, I can't be the only person out there in the world that is um, feeling this way and why aren't people talking about it and why do I feel like I'm a burden or why do I feel so different and ostracised even though I'm showered with love and affection from so many people. Hence the podcast and where we are now. Um, today when I was getting ready, I, I wanted a sign and um, I didn't want to feel grateful or blessed that I was here today because why I'm here. And I was like, you know... Horn, like, you know, he'd probably want me to be working at Hot Rock, to be honest, not doing this. But, um, <laughs> but I'm like, I'm here. Um, so I was like, come on, like, show me a sign that you are, like, supporting me. And it was getting later and later in the day and I hadn't, hadn't seen anything and I started to feel like, oh, fuck, he really wants me to be at Hot Rock. <laughs> um, so I actually um, put on my wedding band, which I haven't worn for a very long time, and um, I thought, well, if he's not going to show me a sign, I'll just bring him along with me. And um, when I was in the Uber, because I planned on having a few drinks tonight, um, on the way here, um, I opened up my Instagram to check what was going on, and um, just randomly there was a, um, you can all go on your phones and check, I'm not making it up, um, uh, this account that I haven't never seen pop up on my phone ever before popped up on the screen and it was um, called House of Routine. And it is a picture of a clock and on that clock it says 3.13. So for anyone that's been following along for a little while, Horn's infamous, infamous number is um, 3.13. And um, I was just like, screenshot, shit, like i got to show people this, they're not going to believe me. And I did come here and show everyone. <laughs> um, and then also, um, Brooke unknowingly tonight um, played Horn's funeral song. And um, when we were doing our sound check, that song came on and it was a remix version. And I was like, okay, sorry, I didn't believe that you were going to come and support me. Um, so, yeah, while it's not intense, it sure is real for me and um, he does show up in so many places and it's just shit you can't deny. So um, that's it. even four years on to know that he's still with me, um, even when I probably should be working at our other business. Um, it, it's nice. It's nice. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But, um, yeah, that basically concludes Jess's segment. So, a big round of applause for Jess. And last but certainly not least, my girl, Kira Love. Welcome to the Flawed and Fabulous podcast. Thank you. Woo! 
Okay, so Kira was a guest in season three, episode six, which was all the way back in January of 2021, and it was called Pain to Empowerment. In this episode, Kira reflects on the pivotal, pivotal moments of her life after her separation, the importance of forgiveness and letting go and allowing herself to trust again. So Kira is also my go-to girl for everything empowerment. So that's why I threw the word into the podcast episode. So Kira, can you please tell us what you have learned most about yourself in the past seven months since the podcast? I feel like I've gone on this massive journey of really discovering or rediscovering what's really important to me. I feel like when I came out of the separation, I really needed to, needed to spend so much time learning who I was, falling in love with myself and determining what kind of future did I really want to have because I had a clean slate to create whatever I wanted. And it was quite a confusing time because there was a lot of voices in my head of what I could do and what I should do. And the past eight years for me have had, have been a lot of time and energy investment in striving and achieving and building business and finding my confidence and power as a woman and finding my voice and learning how to use it. And I'm so grateful for that time and I wouldn't change it. But I feel like I've come full circle to really appreciating the quiet moments in my life. And I'm finding myself leaning so much more back into my softness and vulnerability and surrender and feminine energy and all of those beautiful things and it's been a really beautiful time and I'm also learning a lot about love and relationships and the more I'm learning about that the more I'm realizing that the quality of the relationship I have with myself first and foremost and the depth of intimacy that I have with myself and know myself is the quality that I'm experiencing in my external relationships. And since you brought it up, um, what does being in your feminine, again, can say it, and in his masculine mean to you? And do women in 2021 really embody feminine over feminist? Oh, it's a big question in a short a, amount of time. Well, I had to come, like, empowerment. <laughs> Look, um, there's no wrong or right, and I'm going to answer this from my mm -hmm. personal values and what feels good to me. Mm -hmm. um, and first of all, I'm no expert. The feminine energy typically is the being energy, which is the energy I most enjoy being in and that I personally embody mostly as a woman. The masculine energy is that doing get shit done energy. And we all have both energies within us and we tend to lean more towards one or the other or we fluctuate between them depending on what we're doing in life. I've learnt more consciousness around choosing when to cultivate and lean into those energies in order to serve what I'm, where I'm currently at in my life. So even though I'm a feminine woman, I definitely have had to really lean into the masculine side of my, my the masculine side of me to build my business. Mm -hmm. 
However, that energy doesn't serve me when I come home to my relationship. And I personally value a traditional sense relationship, what we, what we would say is traditional. So I love men. I love the masculine energy because that allows me to shine brightest in my feminine. And to speak to the feminism, I wouldn't... What I will say on it is there is nothing in life that is all plus, plus, plus without minus, minus, minus. And I feel like we have swung too far in, in the opposite direction. We have been telling men for so many years that we don't need them, that we can do it all and we can do it better. We were never meant to be the same. We never will be the same. And we are, we are here to complement each other, not to compete with each other. I love that. Yes. I really love that. So, yeah. yeah. Oh, it's a big question. <laughs> <laughs> I came in all guns blazing. <laughs> so there are no wrong or right, but what I would say is I really deeply value relationship and I feel that our society um, really needs strong family net networks to thrive. And so... In order to sustain polarity in your relationships, you really need to have that balance of feminine and masculine within the container of your relationship. So if you think of it like an elastic band, if I look at my relationship, I'm more feminine and he's more masculine. And we have this beautiful sexual tension and chemistry because of that polarity. If I continue to lean into my masculine all of the time and, and don't... Um, balance back out and then he starts leaning in towards his feminine more to balance things then that polarity is no longer there and I think that there is a great consequence not only in our relationship but that's flowing out in many areas in our society and it's something to be curious about and self-aware about and to learn about without imposing my personal values I just find it very interesting. Yeah, as do I, hence why I asked. But um, let's talk about baggage mm -hmm. because we've all got it. Um, so now in a new relationship and blending a family, um, what hurdles have you had to overcome in, you know, showing up as your best self and not bringing... Is it possible to not bring that relationship into a new relationship? The most significant relationship you will bring into your relationship is the relationship you have with yourself. And so I'm learning that the level of freedom I experience within myself is the level of freedom I'm experiencing in my relationship. Ladies, we have so much fucking noise and inner conflict within ourselves and we wonder why there's so much conflict within our relationships and not just with our significant other. We have so much, we're so disconnected from ourselves. That is why we are so disconnected in our relationships. That internal friction shows up as friction in our relationship. We, certainly speaking for myself, I used to judge and critique myself so harshly and I lacked compassion for myself and trust within myself. And so that showed up as critiquing and judgment and lack of trust within my previous relationship. And so moving into blending a family, what I'm learning is that compassion and unconditional love 
and love without restriction that I'm finding within myself, now more than ever, I have the capacity to choose to love others unconditionally. And I think blending a family and, and thriving in doing so requires that capacity and that desire. So I feel very blessed to be in a relationship where we have an equal commitment to being all in, which I think is essential as well. And so, yes, we've faced hurdles together already, not too many, but um, you know, some situations that have been outside of our control. But because we have that teamwork, there's that grounding and there's that trust and that safety for us, but also um, for the children. And what I would say on <laughs> going into a new relationship, I have learned, I, I have done a lot of work over the last couple of years and worked with some coaches and really dealt with my shit. Those triggers are still coming with you. <laughs> <laughs> So, um, but as I said, I have compassion for myself now. I've met my match. I've met a man who is equally committed to growth and healing. And so, because we have both done the work before meeting each other, we have compassion for the triggers that we've each brought to the relationship. So, the, the connection, the communication is something that I've always dreamed of. And so, when it comes to our children... Um, <sighs> You know, it's it's innate to love your, your own children unconditionally, but loving yourself, loving your partner, loving stepchildren is a choice. And something I always say to my girls is, I love you the most that is possible already. I love you the most that is possible. There's nothing that you could do that could cause me to love you more or to love you less. Mm -hmm. I already love you the most. And so it's not lost on me the commitment and responsibility to make all four of our kids feel that unconditional love because all children should feel that. So that is my journey now and I'm sure there will be many hurdles to come at early days but I'm really excited and ready for that commitment. Mm, sounds mm. amazing. I know you're a mum, Kira, to... to girls, your biological children, um, and I'm interested in some of those ideas that you have around the feminine and masculine energy, like what messages or wisdom do you think is important for this younger generation of women coming through to survive and I guess also thrive in what is still arguably a patriarchal world? Yeah, look, it, and that's a big question and it's something I've struggled with as well because I am so deeply grateful that I'm an empowered woman who is financially secure in my own right because when I went through my separation, I would have been screwed if I wasn't. Yeah. And so, you know, I do feel challenged because I am having conversations with my daughters. I want them to be strong. I want them to be empowered but I don't want them to mistrust men. You know, my, my daughters are very blessed to have incredible male role models mm. in their lives who love them unconditionally, who are just so honouring of women. So um, hopefully, you know, that will continue for them. But obviously my experience, I feel a responsibility that they are capable of taking care of themselves. And, you know, the, the challenge, the, the, the inner conflict that I sometimes struggle with, what is the right answer, is knowing what I went through. 
And knowing that women are just, it is drummed into us from birth. Don't ever rely on anyone, especially not a man. Mm. Be independent. Be strong. But as I said, not everything is plus, plus, plus. Mm. There is minus, minus, minus that is occurring in that. I believe for relationships to thrive, you need interdependence. Mm. Not dependence mm. and not in independence. It's interdependence. But we're not teaching that anymore. And that's why society, I believe, is one of the big reasons we are so disconnected. Why men don't feel honoured, women don't feel honoured. Mm. Um, and it's showing up in our relationships. Mm. So I don't have the exact answer yet. Yeah. But it's something I'm, I think a lot about. And I'd have to agree with you there on some of those same lines of thought. Like, I think a lot about that in terms of this movement at the moment around boundaries. And I, I was reflecting the other day, and I think I put up a post around when you need to soften your boundaries. It's not all about having hard boundaries. That's just the illusion of you having control over other people. You know, I, I have learned over the past couple of years, uh, it's the first time I've been in the dating world. <laughs> Sorry, I was in a relationship for a really long time. And I have learned that the more that I stand in my value as a woman, and I am soft and feminine, but I know my boundaries, I have only been treated exceptionally well because I've commanded it. And so women are playing into what is happening just as much as men are. And... You know, obviously, there are bad men and there are bad women, but the majority actually want to do and give their best. Mm. Um, and I think if you lead by example and, you know, you stay firm in your boundaries, but you're playful with it, I don't know. For me, I've, I've only been treated well. So, yeah. yeah. And our audience question, I had an unusual one. It said, and maybe it was because <laughs> I put up a photo and you didn't have shoes on, but it said you had really sexy feet. And I was like, okay. And then I was like, especially in those new shoes, you do. Um, I'm rethinking my outfit sitting on this couch. <laughs> it's very uncomfortable. <laughs> um, but to turn that into a valuable question, um, what do you do to feel sexy as in not like sexy as in like <laughs> sexy for yourself okay. oh I love this question um what do I do to feel sexy first of all I make myself a priority and I don't ask permission and I don't make excuses when I fill my cup first everybody in my life gets a significantly better version of me I think the more that I've fallen truly authentically in love with who I am, the sexier I feel because confidence is sexy. It feels sexy. I feel good about myself. I make time every day to move my body and eat well because not only does that make me feel good, it, you know, at a cellular level is good for my mental health and how I feel. Um, I think playfulness feels sexy as well as is perceived as sexy, I think. Um, and I think maybe one of the girls mentioned this in the last panel as well. When we become mothers particularly or life gets hard and, you know, we start adulting, mm -hmm. <laughs> one of the first qualities that women lose, which is their most attractive quality and the most freeing and fun quality for ourselves is our playfulness. So I bring mindfulness to that each day to be playful, um, do things that I love to do as a child, um, just, you know, move my body in ways to ensure that I stay young physically as well as mentally. Um, and I make an effort 
effort is sexy. You know, I get my nails done, I do my hair, and again, I don't ask permission. One of the things that I'm really mindful, if I could leave a, a tip that I think is really powerful in relationships, and I'm not sure if I was ever told this or it's just innately what I've always done. I could be at home working in the office all day and when my partner, when I know that they're coming home, that's when I'll go and put some lip gloss on and brush my hair and, and it doesn't matter how long we've been together. You know, I'll freshen up or put some sexy underwear on or take my underwear off, whatever, whatever the vibe is. <laughs> Depends how nice he's been. <laughs> um, but, you know, like, effort, love deserves effort continuously. I used to own health and fitness studios and I used to train a lot of bride-to-bees and it always blew my mind, the limited thinking and energy that went into the one best day of your life. And A, why can't every day be the best day of your life? Because there's a lot of life left. So that's kind of yeah. depressing if it's been and gone. Yeah. But B, if you just put 10% of that effort into daily being your best version for yourself first and foremost, but also for your lover, like I want to be that person every day. That makes me feel sexy, but I know that it also cultivates love and affection and connection and intimacy within my relationship. Yeah, and I think um, something that we can always take away slash forget too is that it's actually a two-way street and don't expect to, someone to do something that you're not prepared to do to yourself. Well, go first. Yeah. Like, if you're not getting something in your relationship with anyone or you're not feeling a certain way in life, even take relationships out of it, you're, you need to bring it. You need to be willing to go first. You're only feeling it because you're not bringing it. Amazing. We're going to go to the audience for our panel of questions. But before we do that, I can't really see Holly again. <laughs> Hello, Holly. And I'm not sure where the other special guests are seated. But if they want to come and make their way to the stage again, we are getting ready to wrap up for the evening. And I'm mindful of everyone's time. So, um, Brooke, Jesse Lou, Courtney, where are you? Come on up and get comfy. Um, while they're making their way to the stage, does anyone have a question? Um, this question's for Sophie. <laughs> um, with Belle home now full time, how has that changed your life at work and home? Oh, that's a good one. Um, hi, Belle. Belle's here tonight. Hey, Belle. Stand Why up, Belle? Belle. You're part of the team too. <laughs> Why don't you answer, Belle? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, it is dramatically life-changing. We have been a FIFO family for eight years. So even before we had children, uh, Belle has always worked in mining and been away a lot of our marriage. So um, we got to the point where my son was starting school and I would look at my work day and at 2.30 go, there is no way I can finish work right now and then go get my son and finish work for the day right now. And so I rang Belle very much on a whim and said, you need to come home right now. There is no way I can do this um, and run a business and be doing all these things. So it was it happened pretty much instantly and his boss is like, where are you going for work? Have you got a new job? No, I have to go home and help my wife. She's going to lose her mind. Um, so, yeah, he came home and, yeah, I cannot even tell you the difference it has made. The weeks he was away was just absolutely mental in terms of trying to juggle it all and 
I just didn't want to live like that anymore. I want us to have a really beautiful life together and the mayhem of just trying to juggle it wasn't enjoyable anymore and you know I can't you can't be good at everything and I was trying to be the best businesswoman I was trying to be the best mom trying to be the best wife and all these things and it just wasn't working and something had to give so he's now home it's been six months of him being home and it was a really big adjustment not only for me but for him going from having you know a really great job and even financially him being a provider I guess and now it's switching to him being a really important person in my business, not just in, you know, the business sense, but helping me with, with everything. Um, yeah, it's a really big shift for our family, but incredibly life-changing. And we now get to hang out 24-7 and just do some really fun stuff together. And he's helping me grow my business in ways that I couldn't do before because I was too burnt out or I was too busy. And, yeah, it's just I can't even put into words how good it is and how grateful I am that we can actually spend that time together and for our kids it's crazy good they get to go to the beach after school every day and they're having their best life so yeah it's all the hard work is now starting to kind of pay off for us and it's really really nice love that is there anybody else yes over there hello I've got a question for Kira what advice could you give to someone going through a separation that can't seem to move forward? I would say that this is a beautiful opportunity to focus 100% on you and finding what makes you happy. Because if you enter a relationship before finding happiness within yourself, you won't find it in the container of that relationship and it also won't be fair on that person. Um, that that pressure is being projected on. I would also say that the thought that got me through every face-down moment when I felt like I couldn't move forward was looking back and remembering that every significant challenge that I'd been through in my life, and there had been three major milestones that really changed the course of my life. And in the moment, each one, I didn't know how I was going to get through it. And I wish that it hadn't happened or wasn't happening to me. But with the beauty of hindsight in years to come, when new doors had been opened and, you know, I'd seen how I'd grown from the circumstance and the new people that I had in my life, I was so grateful for each event and I truly would never change a thing about any of them. And so remembering that gave me the faith and courage that I needed to keep moving forward. So for as long as you keep looking back and holding on and wishing what was, you are blocking the blessing that the universe has waiting for you. So in order to bridge that gap, I would say what really saved me is having help, getting help to work through it as quickly as possible. I had an incredible coach that really helped me through that grieving process really quickly um, and I honestly, because I was also in the midst of, you know, sharing a, a huge business and there was just so many moving parts, I'm not sure that I could have gotten through without that help with the minimal collateral damage that, that I did get through it with. So don't be afraid to ask for help. Have faith that one day it will all make sense and you will never change a thing. 
and see the beauty of this time that you really get to invest in you because it's rare that we get those opportunities to have so much focus on ourselves. I love that. And do we have any other questions? Yes? Is it okay if it's not a question but a thank you? Oh, absolutely. We <laughs> <Yeah>. take thank yous. <laughs> um, so I first of all want to thank Jessie Lou. I did a, <laughs> I did a, um, a class with her years ago where she, a brush out class, and it was when I, after a um, separation, and I started working through my artistic, I don't know, I'm quite artistic, and I started exploring it again, and that was really beautiful. Um, and recently I had a cancer scare and I didn't want to pay $500 to, to get the biopsy, but after seeing Courtney's message, I paid it and I'm okay. <laughs> yeah, so get the biopsy. So your story really touched me. And I'm going to stand up for this. Um, Jessica, I lost my son three months ago and I remember your story and I remember how hard it must have been for you and I never thought I would have gone through the same thing. And thank you for being so strong. And there's a word I wanted to say to you, and I don't know if you know it, but it's philomar. Do you know the word? No, I've never heard of it. <laughs> so orphan is for when a child loses her or his parents. A widow is when you lose your husband or wife. But philomar is Sanskrit for losing your child. And I just wanted to share that with you. Wow. And I'm so sorry <laughs> you lost your child and you're unfortunately on the same road as us. It's um, a, a if I can road. do anything for you, you can um, reach out to me at any time and I'm more than happy to um, ride this wave with you together. Also, your sure. hair looks amazing. <laughs> Thanks. I have my lunar colour and I'm loving it, so thank you. Anyone else? Hi, this is just a question for Jess. Um, I'm in also in awe of courage. Um, you constantly use a phrase showing up um, and I'm just interested to know how you recommend for anyone um, that has a friend or family member that um, would go through loss, um, grief or trauma, how you would help them show up. Like yeah. what does that mean to you? That's a cool question because I use showing up, you're right, all the time and I feel like I've never really thought into that. I feel like for me showing up is being present um, and literally showing up. So I have um, been very conscious in the way that me and my partner, my family who have raised Luna, um, to always show up and be present and know that um, time, and I will shout this until the day I see Luna again, and that is to time is borrowed. It is not promised. And I know that firsthand. And I miss my old me. I'm not the same person I was seven months ago and my life is definitely not the same and I feel nothing. I was actually saying this to Sophie earlier. I was lucky in the fact that nothing ever horrible has happened to me in my life and when this accident happened with Luna, there was not one second thought in my head that Luna wasn't going to pull through because nothing bad has happened to me before so I'm like hold on these things don't you know this isn't going to happen to me and I feel like it's so important to show other people that I had um, two healthy children well four I have four healthy children 
and I had a beautiful partner and a beautiful family and my um, life was thrown upside down in a, in a brief moment. I know that um, the night before Luna's accident, I was actually in hospital at the time and my baby came up and um, she was tucking me into bed and she was saying to me, Mama, I'm going to give you a shower and I'm going to clean you up and I'm going to do this. And when she left... She actually told me, and I haven't even shared this with Monique actually or anyone, but she grabbed my face and she said to me, Mama, you're the best mama ever. Which she often would say things like that, but I'm so glad she said that to me the night before. And she ran away with my sister to go home and she turned back. And I was in like a hospital ward with four beds and she ran away and she turned back and she ran back to me and gave me an extra kiss. And I feel like I'm so lucky that I got that moment with Luna because that was the last time I got to see my baby the way she was. And that next morning, that's when the um, tragedy all started unfolding. And I think I, I, I choose to show up every day. And I feel like I choose that because I have a partner that relies on me. I have a son that relies on me and counts on me to show up for him. And I, I think that... Um, all of us that are here, we are so lucky to be here Earthside and continue to love on our friends and our partners and our children. And one day, everybody's life is already planned out and you don't know when it's your time or when it's your partner's time or your child's or someone within your family. So if you show up subconsciously every single day, if you're ever in my position, you will have no regrets. And I feel like that's really, really important. And I feel like you should, myself, I know that I look through life in a different lens and I feel like if you choose to show up every day, that you are being the best um, version of yourself for everybody else as well. Well, sadly, this is going to be concluding our, um, our podcast. I'm going back to my notes. Um, so... Um, welcomed you all back, so that's good. Um, so, <laughs> um, exciting news. Yes, Flawed and Fabulous will be back for season five. Um, it's going to be a little bit different this time. It's going to be the Friends Files, and I'm going to be inviting some of my nearest and dearest friends that I've known for a very long time to come on the podcast and share their stories. Um, and before we sign off, I do need to make my Oscars thank you speech because I didn't get here all on my own, but I promise I'll get through it super duper quick. So a big thank you to the gorgeous Carly and the team at Marquetta for very generously giving me this venue to host the first ever Flawed and Fabulous Live. I hope you've all enjoyed it and we definitely will be back for some more. Um, a very special thank you to our special guests that have been so beautiful and generous in giving up their time to be here. Um, and you're all so special to me and I've loved every minute of sharing this stage with you. Um, Ingrid and the team at Homebody um, agreed with me that you are all very beautiful um, humans and that you should be spoilt um, for showing up in the way that you are in the world and each of you have been gifted, which I'm very excited about, um, from their new range, an oversized tensile Zodiac tea which is for your star signs and a Rebecca linen blush robe so they're in the boxes over there I can't be bothered getting them for you so I'll give them to you later 
<laughs> Again, thank you to all of the sponsors that donated for the gift bags, James Cosmetics, Invisible Zinc, Green Tea, X50, Change, and don't forget your flawed and fabulous merchandise. My girl Hannah from Boho Lux & Co. She has had a hard time with COVID, but she is my go-to girl for all things events and maybe even a wedding in the future. Um, <laughs> apparently. It <laughs> It was a message from a psychic. Um, the incredible team from the Spin Studio Network, thank you for supporting me and always keeping it real with me. I definitely did not think 18 months ago I would be sitting here to a sellout crowd and I didn't get here on my own, so a big thank you. Holly, my ultimate baby win girl. Um, <laughs> Come back to me! Um, but she's gone off into the world to explore her own career but still manages to come here and help me when I need her the most. My family and my besties, wow, you guys are the motherfucking cheer squad up the back. Um, thank you for always loving and supporting me no matter what insane idea I come up with. Um, but you make me feel like I am limitless. My... <laughs> Um, my little loves at home that have no fucking idea what mummy does, but um, <laughs> you're not patient, you're not tidy, and you drive me insane, but I do love you very much, so thank you for coming along with this ride with me. Horn, my angel, for always showing up when I need you the most. Eden, my love, my big-hearted, hilarious man friend. You are so supportive in everything I do, even when I'm a crazy person. He has been calling this our show all week <laughs> and it really bloody is. I couldn't have done it without you and your love and support. Thank you for giving me the time and space to live out my dreams no matter how far-fetched or full-on I am. You're an amazing dad and a very loving partner and I love you so much. And of course, you guys, my flawed and fabulous community, the people who motivate and inspire me on the daily to show up, normalise grief, trauma and loss and raise awareness for those that are suffering in silence. Thank you for showing up each week, especially for purchasing tickets tonight. This will definitely go down in the epic memory books. Thank you, Monique, for holding my hand. My team, we have done an epic job and this podcast has changed my life in so many ways. I'm so grateful. I love every DM, every message of connection, gratitude, support and inspiration. So please keep them coming. And um, I would love for you to say it with me one last time, if you know it. Thanks for tuning in. And just remember, we're all flawed, but we're also fucking fabulous. Good night. <laughs> <laughs>